we are on the last uh, sermon of the series, I promise this time. Uh, this is the last one. You're never going to see that, that little lead-in again unless you ask me to see it or you go back and watch them. I guess that could happen. But uh, we have covered a ton of ground during this series, um, and I want to kind of go back and remind you of some of where we've been because it's been so long since we started. And again, I believe that this series kind of encapsulates and is really pivotal. <laughs> Get it? Pivotal? Um, pivotal to where we're headed going forward. And so let me just simply remind you of, of some of the places we've been. First of all, um, we talked about in the beginning a need for change, a, a pivot, uh, that we're at, at a turning point as a church. But of course, as we change direction in the body of Christ, we always want to make sure that we're turning around the anchor and the pivot point of Jesus and what he did for us. We want to make sure that, that his life and his teachings and his death and his resurrection are kind of at the center of all that we do and anchor us no matter which direction we're, we're deciding to head for our mission. And so we kind of began with that. Um, I shared with you revelation that God gave me in the midst of some really dark moments a few months ago in my life. Um, it was really a, a difficult time where, quite frankly, I questioned almost everything, almost everything, except for maybe his love for me. Why are you telling me to use a microphone? It's all fuzzy? Am I all fuzzy? I don't sound fuzzy. It's my voice. It's, I'm fuzzy by nature. Yes or no? Do you want me to switch mics? All right. Always do what the sound guy says. I have the green mic. Now you should be able to hear me again. All right. So um, I shared with you that um, during a very dark period a few months ago, um, there was a revelation that kind of came to me. And, you know, these are the kind of things that you find when, when you get kind of the, to the lowest place that you can be, you tend to look around and evaluate those things and kind of go forward from there. So out of that experience, um, some time with God made it very clear to me that we needed to stop trying to attract people or impress people. And that we really needed to double down on living out our mission, which uh, we've agreed upon as, as a leadership is to grow in faith, serve people together. Now, here's the thing. Anytime you see that appear on the screen and I say, which is, and I, and I pause awkwardly, that means that I'm inviting you without saying so to say it with me. So let's try it again. Here we go. Ready? Our mission statement, which is to grow in faith, serve people together. I'm going to make you say it till you're sick of it. Um, we're going to keep saying that because we want to keep that at the forefront of our thinking. And so in light of this, I expressed my desire to kind of reorganize the ministry here at North Avenue around three um, groups, three teams, the Grow in Faith team, the Serve People team, and the Together team. And that we needed in, along with that, to align our finances, our resources, our volunteers, our personnel, and even our staff around those purposes so that we can make sure that we are... Um, uh, doing what we can to make sure that those purposes become primary. So literally a leader in each one of those areas um, as we go forward is what we're looking for. So that means as we hire staff members, we're not just going to hire in the old way that churches always did, you know, first a music minister, then a youth pastor, then a children's pastor or something along there. If I can be honest with you and just confess something, part of the reason that pastors are so anxious to hire a youth and children's pastor is because we just don't know what to do with kids and youth, you know? And so we're hoping that if we find somebody else that can help us with that, it'll take it off of our plate. 
And you know what? That's not a great reason to hire somebody. We want to make sure that all of our ministries are both working together and yet at the same time getting enough attention so that we can drive them forward and have quality in everything that we do. And so we're going to be refocusing in those areas. Now, as we started to talk through this, and even before that, God, God already started to kind of reshape what our leadership looks like. You'll remember that I shared with you that before I ever presented any of this to the board of trustees, we don't have a board of trustees. To the church board, sorry, that was a flashback from two churches ago. Um, as, we, as I was preparing to share this with the church board, um, Pastor Chris mentioned you know, to us and, and kind of made it known that he was going to be moving in a different direction before we ever started even having the conversation. And then, of course, as we continued on through this journey, Pastor Rob uh, was called by God to go and pastor in Howell. Um, by the way, some of our folks saw him at the 360 conference yesterday, and he says hi to everybody. So everybody say hi, Pastor Rob, in case he watches this. He probably won't, but, you know, hey, it's all good. So anyway, so Pastor Rob and Pastor Chris were kind of already headed out the door, and God was already in the process of kind of reorganizing and realigning things. And so that left, of course, um, Pastor Brian, Pastor, or Pastor, Pastor Jenny, I just promoted her. Pastor Brian and Jenny, she's like, yes. Uh, Pastor Brian, Jenny, our, our church um, secretary, the one who kind of keeps everything running, um, and of course myself as paid staff. But um, God has also been doing some amazing things in some of our volunteers, and he's allowed us to kind of pull on staff some, some staff volunteers. Um, Pastor Pat, who is in the process of going through the licensing and ordination process, he's a licensed pastor and is working toward ordination, and so it's really cool that he's doing that, and he's jumped in in a lot of different ways and helped out. Um, and of course, Pastor Mary, who has been volunteering here for over 30 years, putting in probably almost more time than our paid staff have been, and she continues to operate in that role, and she's already through that process. She is an ordained pastor. She can't lose her ordination unless she does something really silly, and those of you that know Pastor Mary, she never does anything silly. So anyways, never going to happen, but anyway, so we're happy to have those two kind of working alongside of us, and of course, Melinda too. I just want to mention her, and I, you know, I'm not trying to mention everybody. There's a lot of people that have stepped in but Melinda has really, too, gone over and above and just literally said, what do you need me to do? And just jumped in and done anything. You know, we have the leases that have done Awana and some other things. There's lots of people that have jumped in and helped out. And so God has been working, even in our volunteer staff, to kind of put people in places so that we have a pool of leaders to choose from as we try to find leaders for our growing faith team, our serve people team, and our together team. And so we're excited about where God is taking that. Um, we're also hoping that now that COVID is beginning to subside, or so it appears, that Pastor Tia will be able to kind of come back and be more of an active part of what we're doing here as well. She's, I think, still been doing her prison ministry, but because she's a nurse, it's been tough for her to be around more people. And so we're hoping that that will happen as well. And I hope you are regularly praying for Tia and her ministry at the jail, and we'll, we'll keep her kind of at the forefront too. Um, we're already beginning to see some activity um, along the lines. We're seeing more activity and people signing up for things, and all of that is encouraging. And as we go forward, I'm sure some of you that are volunteering will end up on one of those three teams, and we're excited about being able to put that together. So as we, as we continued through that first week, we talked more in detail about what it means to grow in faith, and then we spent a week talking about how to serve people and what that meant, and then we moved into the together piece, and I broke the news it was going to be a five-week peace because it just took so long to work through the scriptures um, that, that, that the Bible talks about being together. And just last, last week, I challenged you 
to stop the drift. You know, some of us have kind of been drifting because we just kind of stopped as a society. And whenever you're out in Lake Michigan or out in the ocean, the best way to drift is just to stop. And, and when you do that, you begin to kind of drift off of where you want to be. And, and we need to stop the drift. And I asked you to consider what you would be willing to become for the sake of unity, to become a unified body of believers, uh, unified in mind and in purpose, as Paul says. Jesus gave up his position in heaven. And he became a human being. He humbled himself and took on a humble state. Even as a human, he humbled himself before his disciples and washed their feet. It, he, he did all of that to bring us into relationship with God so that we could be together with him. What are you willing to become to allow us to become unified and together as a body of believers? So that brings us up to today. This is, as I said, the last sermon in the series, but will hopefully signal the beginning of a new era for the church. Not an end to thinking about this, but just the beginning of trying to put all that we've learned and all that we've discovered into motion. I got to tell you, this has been a strange series for me. Generally speaking, when I start a series, I have a pretty good idea what I'm going to be preaching out every single week. And it seems like time and time again during the series, God has said, you thought you knew what you wanted to say and had to step me back. And I don't like that because I am a last minute person. I'll attest to that. Several term papers were started at 8 o'clock in the morning when they were due by 2 in the afternoon when I was in college. I'm a last-minute person by nature. But I've learned how to get ahead of things because I know the stress that doing things at the last minute causes. And i got to tell you, God's been stressing me out, and he needs to stop it. He probably won't, but he needs to. But anyway, so this series has been kind of one of those things. So as I thought about how I wanted to bring this to a close, there was something that began to happen kind of in the middle of this series. Um, as I shared, when I had that very, very down day, which turned into a very, very down week, I spent some time after that looking at that experience, which I think you should do. If you get to a point where you are so low as I did, that maybe you're having a hard time seeing what the future holds, or you're wondering whether there is a future and what that's going to look like, I think it's imperative for us to stop and to say, okay, how did we get there? What, what happened there? And, and I've been talking to someone. I have a good friend who's good at talking things out with me. And as we've talked, one of the things that he's helped me to see is that I, when I got to that point, that more than anything else, the feeling that I, I had was that I was hopeless. I was without hope, completely. I could not see a future for the church. I had always preached messages been nice to people, visited people whenever I could, and that was enough. People just came to the church, and the church grew, and the finances grew, and everything kind of worked itself out. That's been my experience at the other churches that I've served. But that wasn't really happening here. And we struggled, during COVID especially. And so I, I looked to the future, and I thought that, that I just didn't have any answers for the problems that the church was being presented with. I tried everything, and nothing seemed to be working like it did in the past. And as I looked at that whole situation, he began to, to help me to see that, that what I had lost was my hope. And then about that same time that I was having that revelation, I actually read a book or actually listened to a book. My sons invited me to do an audible thing with them so that we could all buy books and share them with each other and listen to books. How many of you listen to books? Apparently, I'm late to the party on this, but I don't have a lot of time to listen to books, so 
it worked. But anyway, I suggested a book because it looked like it was good, and <laughs> turns out it wasn't that good, honestly. You ever pick a book like that? You think, man, that looks good. Yeah, it really wasn't that good. Didn't really agree with a lot of the theology in it, to be perfectly honest, but there was one chapter that caught my eye. And that chapter um, kind of stated this. It stated this, this idea that hope, and I want to read it because I want to get it right, hope is the fuel for our faith. Think about that for a minute. Hope is the fuel for our faith. Our faith is essentially fueled by hope. And of course, whenever I read a statement in a book, I want to know, okay, is that a biblical concept? How does that fit with what Scripture teaches? And of course, the author immediately offered a passage that we've read just a few weeks ago, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which is kind of the defining verse that a lot of us use to define what faith is. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 1 says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, right? And it is the evidence of things we cannot see. And so as I delved into that scripture a little bit, I began to realize that faith and hope have this ongoing working kind of connection because faith is a big deal. I mean, faith is important to the church. Most of you know that. If you look in the, the book of Hebrews in that same chapter, it goes on to talk about all the people listed in the Bible and all the stories in the Bible and how all of those people were people of faith and how it was by faith that they were counted as righteous before God because Jesus hadn't come yet. They didn't know anything about what he would do for them on the cross. But Moses and Noah and Abraham and, and Daniel and all of these other characters lived by faith, and because of their faith, it was counted to them as righteousness. And so if you read that chapter, if you're like me, you find yourself going, man, i got to have more faith. And when you look at what Jesus said, Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a, look at you, you're right there, that you could move. Who doesn't want that? I mean, if I could move a mountain, I can certainly win the lottery, amen? Right? Isn't that the way we immediately think about that? Wow, I can do whatever I want. That's not how it works, okay? But still, that's pretty impactful. If Jesus said, if you have faith the size of, of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. He told his disciples, listen, you would be able to heal the sick and, and cast out demons and do all this other stuff if you just had the faith to do it. And then he demonstrated what that faith looked like. And so faith is a huge deal. It, it's part of our mission statement. Grow in Absolutely. So what does that look like? Well, here's the problem. When I got to that lowest point that I think I've ever been in my life, I didn't have any faith because my hope was gone. Because hope is what fuels our faith. I, I think it's a pretty striking concept, and I'm probably going to have to live with it for a while to figure out how, how all of this um, uh, really jives, but I lost hope as a result, my faith suffered. I didn't see a future. I couldn't dream dreams anymore. I couldn't hope that the church was going to succeed because all I saw was a bleak future. And so as I lost hope, everything around me kind of crumbled. And honestly, it was all because for the first time in my life, I didn't have the answers. How many of you like to have the answers? You know what? I spent most of the time in college learning passages from the Bible just so that if church people like you asked me a question about it, I would have the answer. You know why? Because pastors have to have all the answers. That's what we think. Guess what? We don't. 
And it isn't just me. Stephen Furtick doesn't have all the answers either. Charles Stanley doesn't have all the answers either. None of those guys do. But that's what we feel like. And when I didn't have the answers, I lost hope. Here's the deal. Even though I didn't have the answers, God did. Amen? If you've ever been in that position, I hope that you have found that to be true. When we don't know where to go, he does know. When we don't have the answers, he has the answers. Now listen, some of you have lost hope like I did for the church because as we've gone through this series, I've had some of you ask me some questions about how we're going to do things and how that's all going to work. Some of you have asked, for instance, Pastor, how are we going to get more volunteers? If you don't have a, a paid youth pastor and a paid children's pastor, we're already just at the bare minimum of volunteers. We already can't get people to go down there and work. How are we going to make that happen? It's just never going to work. You've got to pay people. We've got to pay people if we we want to keep them down there. It's just, that's the only way it's going to work. And, and to that I say, I get it. I see that same need. I feel that same frustration. But here's my hope. My hope is this. My hope is that God is faithful and that if he wants us to have a thriving children's ministry, that God will miraculously move in the hearts of people in this congregation when they see the need and they will volunteer and they will make our children's ministry as good as it can possibly be. And our kids will want to come. And our parents will be excited about sending them. And they will get candy every single week because we can afford it. I'm a grandparent now, so sugar them up and send them home. We've got to have hope. Some of the rest of you have asked similar questions. How are we going to have good worship if we don't pay someone to do that? You know, and if you keep making us sing those hymns, aren't all our younger band members going to quit? Okay, that didn't go over well, so how about this one? If we keep singing all that new stuff, all the old people are going to leave. And we all know they're the ones that tithe, so just trying to be real. Giggle a little, please. I mean, you know, how are we going to do it? Well, here's my hope. My hope is that whoever's on the platform, you will become the kind of congregation that is so that feels so good about what God is doing in your life through your faith and your walk with Him that the worship will actually be prompted from up here but will originate with you. Not some person on the platform. I mean, you shouldn't worship because I'm happy today. You should worship because Jesus saved you and brought you from death into life. And if that is enough to get your, your fire stoked, your fire's out. That's what I hope for. I'm hoping there are days when I strum the guitar and you guys so drowned us out that you don't even care what we're singing. I mean, the drummer's going to have some issues then, but, you know, it's all good. That's my hope. Some of you said, Pastor, can we possibly raise a budget where we will be able to ever hire a grow-in-faith pastor, a serve-people pastor, and a together pastor? That's my hope that we can actually hire full-time people to dive into all of those things while I'm trying my best to keep Sunday morning running and lead and cast vision and all that. That's my hope someday. I realize that may not be realistic right now, but that is my hope. And some of you are saying, in this economy, when attendance is waning, when people are no longer giving, I mean, everybody knows nobody believes in tithing 10% anymore. Most people are just giving whatever they feel like in the, in the plate. You know what, I get your, your concern, and I do see the reports that Mary puts on my desk on an almost weekly basis that describe how we don't have enough money to continue. You know, we're doing okay because of our reserves and things like that, but money is waning. I just, I'm going to be honest with you, and it's tough. 
But you want to know what my hope is? My hope is that some of you will get so excited about serving God and what you're doing in our children's ministry and what you're doing in our worship ministry that all of a sudden it'll click with you and go, oh, that's what this church is about. And you will support the vision with not only your, your time but also your finances. And that we will someday have enough money that we don't have to do giving campaigns or even talk about money on Sunday morning because people are giving because God is working in their hearts and inspiring them to be a part of a ministry that they're proud of. That's my hope. You just got real quiet. That's my hope. Pastor, is it even possible to disciple people in a world where people would rather just be distracted by cat videos on YouTube? See, First Service laughed at that one. This is puzzling to me. It's like a psychological experience with first service and second service. You don't laugh at the stuff they laugh at and, and, and vice versa. It's kind of crazy. It is hard to commit to discipleship in this day and age. I can tell you because I've tried. And maybe I haven't tried hard enough, but I'm here to tell you it is not easy to get people to commit to, to being discipled or to discipling someone else. But that is the methodology that Jesus put before us. We're not just supposed to become Christians. We're just supposed to make disciples. And that doesn't mean the pastor's supposed to make disciples. That means all of us are supposed to make disciples. That means that all of us in our lives should be at the same time being discipled by someone and at the same time be discipling someone else. Can I say that again? Every single person who is a believer should have someone who is farther along on the journey discipling them while at the same time pouring into someone else who is not as far along the journey as they are so that they can be discipled as well. And friends, that is not an easy thing to figure out. Mark is making it work. The chosen group is a fantastic thing. And I'm thinking the only reason that's succeeding is because it's about a television show. Is that what we have to do now? I have to come up with a sitcom starring Pastor Jeff and just read the Bible so that all of you will read the Bible? I don't know. I'm not doing that, by the way. It's not happening. I don't know what it's going to take, but here's my dream. My dream is that people will be so captured by the heart and the mission of God that they will be looking for someone to disciple and to be discipled by because they so want to grow in their faith. That as passionate as many of you are about getting in shape physically, that is how passionate you will become about getting in shape spiritually. And because of that, we will have no shortage of small groups, discipleship groups, Bible study groups, one-on-one -on -one mentorships, one-on-three, one-on-four, whatever it takes. But it's hard these days because there are so many distractions. You know, just shut your phone off once in a while. That's all I'm asking. And I'm speaking to me too. Because I'm way too dependent. How many of you look at your phone before you go to the bathroom in the morning? That's embarrassing. Don't raise your hands. Never mind. We'll just move on. Is it possible to disciple someone? I believe it is. Because I have hope. How will we ever manage to serve so effectively in this community when we live in a society that wants everything their way and, and is more interested in comfort and amusement than in making a difference? Listen, I recognize that there are a lot of organizations out in the community that are doing a great job at providing volunteers for all kinds of good causes. But you know what? The whole 
premise of serving came from Jesus. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ should be leading the way when it comes to putting people in positions to serve in the community and be volunteers for good causes all throughout this community. And, and I'm going to keep on hoping for that until the day that I die. I believe, as I've said many times, that service needs to become the public face of our church to this community. And then once people see us serving, they'll be a little more accepting of our not-quite-perfect worship. Amen? I believe it needs to happen, and I believe it can happen. Because you know what? I, I have a hope that some of you, as you begin to serve once in a while in the church, will start feeling that feeling of accomplishment and fulfillment that you find when you found the niche that God created you for get so excited about serving that when we put a sign-up sheet for some ministry, it'll fill up so fast that we won't be able to take everybody, that we'll have to turn people down, or better yet, come up with another opportunity over here so we can get the people that want to serve signed up. That's what I'm hoping for. And you may not think it's possible, but I'm hoping for that very thing. Listen, I believe it can happen. As I've shared I just lost my place completely. I have no There it is. I believe there is very evidently a lack of today. Now this one's cutting out. What's the deal? Are you doing that, Isaac? Are you doing that to Satan don't want you to hear this. I believe there is a lack of hope in the church today, but I want to tell you, we, we need to stop thinking just about the church and think about each other personally. So let's take a look at this list of scenarios. The need for hope in the lives of people in our country. Is people have lost hope that they will ever climb out of the financial hole that the last few years has put them in because inflation is raging out of control and the price of gas is killing us all. Can I get an Amen. I went out and bought a Ford Escape this week because I'm tired of getting 11 miles to the gallon in my Suburban. That's how desperate I was. It's horrible. I get it. Some of you have lost hope that you will ever dig out, but here's the deal. God did not promise to meet all of our needs through his riches and glory only when the economy was good. Right? And so in times when the economy is bad, that's an even greater opportunity for him to show off and to supply what is needed for us. So we need to get some hope that God will supply for our needs. People look at statistics related to marriage and families and see no hope for the life that they've dreamed about. And people are afraid to commit to relationships because what? One out of every two or three or something marriages ends in divorce. And so people are afraid to get into a relationship and really allow themselves to be known. They hold back or, or they just don't even try. And I'm here to tell you that, that if God is with us and if that's what you're dreaming about, if that's what you're hoping for, God will be faithful and he will find ways to connect you with the person you're supposed to be with, but you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to venture out. But I believe and I hope that you will understand as you get to know God better that if you marry someone who also knows God, that the relationship you have with him will pull the two of you together in a way that would be impossible in any other so I believe that we need to have hope for that. Some have given up hope that they will ever be able to be safe from sickness and disease if they decide to leave their homes because of COVID and the fear that it has put in our hearts. And, and everybody keeps talking about the next superbug that's coming down the road. And I hear you. We need to be cautious. But at the same time, we need to understand that the very same God who take, took 
of us during COVID, will take care of us as we venture out. And, and even if we do get sick, there may come times where, where we get stuff that we don't believe is curable. But in some sense, we have to allow ourselves to rest in the arms of God. Because if we don't, living life in our homes is no life. You know, I get that there is caution, and I'm not saying to be careless. But we need to remember that to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen? I believe that there is a time coming where it's going to be hard because there are things coming down the pike that we have not anticipated and we're going to have to find out a way as a society to live in a world with superbugs in it. But friends, we've got to come to the place where we're willing to trust God. And again, not to be careless, but simply to be hopeful. There are others who um, refuse to have hope for the future and of our country because of the, the division that has happened politically in our country. Some people believe it'll never be healed, and I'm here to tell you that God has the ability to bring churches together, and in the same way, he has the ability to bring countries together. God can heal us. I'm out of time, and I'm running out of... I, I got to move forward. So here we go. These are all frightening things, but listen, the answer to all of these things is Jesus and the hope that he brings because God is the source of our hope. And when we begin to have hope, that will build our faith. So instead of despairing over these things, we need to begin to have hope and dream a little bit about what the future will look like, both individually as human beings and as a church. Do you want to know what I hope for? I hope for some of the same things you guys are hoping for, which we heard about just a few short weeks ago as I let you guys have the mic and take it. It's okay. We had a child doing this in first service too. It's fine. Just give him a minute. Is he saying basketball? Papa. Oh, he wants me. I'll be right back. I'm just... Here are the things I hope for. I hope, like many of you, I hope for a congregation that is full to the brim. I want to see every pew filled. I want to see us striving to find space for people and maybe even having to move into the, the fellowship halls because we don't have enough space. That's what I would love to see. I am hoping and praying for that. I'm hoping God so fills this place up with people that, one, we would never have difficulty finding volunteers because the people who come are not just consumers, but they're people who want to invest their lives for the kingdom of God and do good ministry for the kingdom. I'm hoping God blows the doors off this place. I'm hoping that he brings people who have the willingness to give so that finances never become an option again. I would love to never have to do another fun campaign ever again, but just simply allow the people to give and let it go. I would love to have so much money and so many people that we have to do a building campaign in a few more years just to hold them all. I would love to be able to purchase the property next door so that we don't have to smell the smell of manure every summer for the rest of our existence. Can I get an amen? But the real reason I want that property is because I believe it would make an incredible park. I believe we could put softball fields, baseball fields, soccer fields. We could let the community come and use that area and provide free parking. And while they're doing all of that, our people could go over there and serve them and get to know them and build relationships. We could have all kinds of fun. I am dreaming and hoping for a day when the little piece of property between the car wash and the, the gas station becomes ours so that we can have an exit on that road, more parking, and the ability just to be seen from that road as well because we need parking up on top of the hill. I'm dreaming of a day 
when God does amazing things through this church and throughout the community, we're not known as that church that serves the north side of town, but we're known as that church that makes a difference in the Battle Creek community in general. That's what I'm dreaming for. Friends, I've got big dreams for this church. I'll tell you some more, but you may not like them, so I'm just going to stop there. Maybe some of you would like them. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I'm dreaming dreams again. I have hope again. And some of you have lost hope in the church, even if you have lots of hope for your lives. Some of you have lost hope for your lives, even though you have plenty of hope maybe for the church. Let me tell you something. I believe we need to embrace hope once again. You need to have hope in spite of the negative report that you may get from a doctor. We need to have hope in spite of the fact that the balance on your bank account says less than zero from time to time. You need to have hope, even if the odds are stacked against you, whatever it is that you're facing. We need to begin to have hope, even if you got hurt having hope the last time. Hope needs to be resilient, because then hope becomes faith. Do you get it? If we can dream it, and we can allow God to begin working through us to create it, then we can build our faith as we see God work through it. And I believe that he will do great things. Our words and prayers and confessions have power. And the only way to start sparking confident faith is to allow yourself to hope again. Because without hope, we're not going anywhere. And without hope, I'm not going anywhere. And you're not going anywhere. We need hope. A great demonstration of this is Pat Gilbert, who was just crazy enough in the middle of a recession, in the middle of um, inflation, in the middle of all of that to start a fund campaign. Anybody else wonder about the wisdom of that timing? Just curious. He's nuts. He's cuckoo. What's he thinking? Pat Gilbert just decides one day, hey, we need to pay off the debt on our building. Here's what I think we ought to do. We're going to do it in November. We're going to do a three-year plan, Pat? Nope. We're going to pay it off in one offering. That's what he said from the very beginning. Yeah. He's nuts, right? Can I be honest with you? When he first brought it up, we weren't even in the big inflation yet. And I was still thinking to myself, eh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want to see budgets for ministry. I want to see us have enough money to, to continue to, to do the things we need to do as a church. And so I'm a little skeptical, and I'm like, Pat, I, you know, I'm going to support you. I, 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 I'm, I'm believing that if that's what God's telling you we need to do, we're going to do it. I'm just going to stand behind it and kind of go. But I was skeptical. And you know what happened? His hope has become contagious. Because I now am absolutely convinced that in November we're going to pay that thing off. And you know what? His faith is building my faith. And I hope that eventually his faith will spread to all of you. Because I have a firm belief that if we pray and if we are obedient and if we seek God on this, he will do something amazing in November that will free up a whole bunch of money so that we can do all of these other things maybe that God is leading us or directing us to do and to do some of the things that some of you are dreaming that you haven't even told us about yet. Wouldn't that be awesome? Listen, I have hope for this church. Do you have hope for this church? I've made my choice. You need to make yours. Let's pray. God, I believe that you build our faith through hope.
And maybe there's some people here who have been doing church as usual for so long that they haven't dreamed any dreams about what the church could look like in a long time. Maybe, maybe the church is filled with people that um, are tempted just to come in and, and worry and wonder. Worry about whether or not we're going to have enough money. Worry about whether there's going to be enough volunteers. Worry about whether or not there's going to be decent worship. Or worry about whether or not the details of the day are going to work out. Lord, I pray that you would give all of us an imagination when it comes to this church. Because we know that one of the things that feeds hope is the imagination that you've placed within each of us. That we can begin to dream dreams about the church and all the good that can be done if we obey you and we follow you. And so, God, I ask that you would expand our imagination, that you would allow our hope to grow, and that every single person that calls this their home church begin to, in amazing ways, dream about the future of this church and allow those dreams to turn into hope that will drive all of our faith and lead us in the direction that you want us to go. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said.